Hello, I'm Rebecca Rosewood, and this is Thrice Cursed. Warning, Thrice Cursed is a true crime and paranormal podcast. It is intended for mature audiences. Some graphic depictions of violence and other unpleasant material may exist beyond this point. For more specific content warnings, please reference the episode notes. I'd like to preface this episode by saying, if you followed me over from my former podcast, some of this information will not be new to you. However, as it was one of the first stories I covered, there was a lot of information that had been left out. I decided to revisit this particular episode and included far more detail this time around. I hope you all enjoy. Now, let me just set the scene. Griffith Park is a 4,210-acre park located between Glendale and Studio City in Los Angeles, California. In 2002, the Griffith Park Chief Ranger Albert Torres told LA Times, that he wasn't afraid of centuries-old ghosts or curses, but that if you knew even a quarter of the stuff we find within the park's perimeter, you'd never set foot in it again. So, yikes. (laughs) This park basically has it all. There's the Griffith Observatory, the Greek Amphitheater, the L.A. Zoo, the old L.A. Zoo, two museums, two golf courses, a merry-go-round, countless hiking and horse trails, caves, the Hollywood sign, haunted hayrides in October, several ghosts, strange creatures, and an ancient curse. If you're looking for it, it's a good bet that Griffith Park has it. The land known now as Griffith Park originally belonged to Jose Vicente Feliz. I'm sorry, I'm extremely white. Um, I know I butchered that. I'm sorry. So the land originally belonged to Jose Vicente Feliz, a soldier and government official. He had once served as the de facto mayor of Los Angeles and was granted just over 6,600 acres of land in the 1790s. This land was called Rancho Los Feliz, or the Happy Farm, After his death, the land continued to be passed down to family members. In 1836, things took a deadly turn. Domingo Feliz, who shared the rights to the land with, I presume, a sibling, had married a much younger woman by the name of Maria del Rosario Villa. All seemed to be going well as far as Domingo was concerned. That is, until Maria grew bored of their marriage, and ran off with another man by the name of, heaven help me, Gervaccio Alispez? <laughs> ah, God. According to the author of Griffith Park, A Centennial History, Domingo later ran into Maria and her new lover a few years later. And because this was the era of no rights for women, Domingo took the opportunity to have her arrested and returned to their home at Rancho Los Feliz. 
So basically kidnapping nowadays, but that's fine. Now, this went about as well as you'd imagine, and she escaped pretty much immediately. She ran to the mayor of Los Angeles in hopes that he would assist her. Instead, she was encouraged to remain faithful to her husband and live a life where she was miserable. Not sure if you can tell, I'm super shocked by that. Maria did as she was told, though, returning home with her husband on horseback. However, she wouldn't be with them long. As the two approached their home, Maria's lover Gervaccio appeared, pulling the man from his horse and stabbing him, spurred on by Maria. Domingo's body was dragged into a ravine and covered with leaves. But he was still discovered within only two days. His murderer, as well as Maria, were arrested almost immediately. The community around Rancho Los Feliz was outraged, and a citizens' commission known as the Junta Defensora demanded swift and brutal justice for the killing. When that didn't occur, the group made the decision that they themselves would get justice. And like Batman, they are not. (laughs) The two were removed from their prison cells by this group, then killed by firing squad before their bodies were dumped in front of the city jail. The Junta Defensora was disbanded within days of these executions. There's not much to be found by way of history for quite a while after that, and it would appear that things went back to normal, with the land being passed on from family member to family member. After the death of his parents, the land fell to Don Antonio Feliz, a bachelor who lived on the property with his sister, Soledad, and 17-year-old, maybe, blind niece, Doña Petronia. When Don Antonio Feliz died in 1863, he left all of this land to a man named Don Antonio Coronel, instead of his family. And from here on out, we're just going to refer to this Don Antonio Coronel as Fred, because this would just be ridiculously confusing otherwise, and I have the memory of a pancake, which just makes it worse. Plus, I name everything Fred, as made evident by my taxidermy chameleon, for instance. Now, stories suggest that this property was only left to Fred because he and a lawyer visited Don Antonio on his deathbed, and these two assholes drew up a will, then forced this man to nod an agreement to it, Because I guess a nod is now legally binding? Now, the question that I had was, how exactly do you force someone to nod? Well, according to all of the sources I could find, the men tied a stick to Don Antonio. Uh, This was taken to court, and the judge actually upheld the new will, despite the fact that this man was dying of smallpox. So... In case you're not familiar with the symptoms of smallpox, it includes high fevers and delirium. Sounds legit to me. Nowadays, this would be super easy to contest in court due to mental capacity. However, back in the 1860s, not so much. 
This new will was apparently witnessed by several ranch workers, and in this new will, few items were left to some relatives, but the lion's share went to Fred, and nothing was left to Doña Petronia, who was for all intents and purposes like this man's daughter. (laughs) So, finding that hard to believe. Angered, she cursed the land, and then, according to some stories, dropped dead. This bitch was serious about her curses, okay? Other stories say that she may have actually been in her 20s when Don Antonio died, and that she possibly lived well into her 30s, and also was not blind. Of course, being extra, as we are, the world obviously prefers the story of a blind girl immediately dropping dead after enacting a vengeful curse. So, we're just gonna go with it. As legend would have it, her curse was as follows. Your falsity shall be your ruin. The substance of the Fila's family shall be your curse. The lawyer that assisted you in your infamy and the judge shall fall beneath the same curse. The one shall die an untimely death, the other in blood and violence. You, senor, shall know misery in your age, and although you die rich, your substance shall go to vile persons. A blight shall fall upon the face of this terrestrial paradise. The cattle shall no longer fatten, but sicken on its pastures. The fields shall no longer respond to the toil of the tiller. The grand oaks shall wither and die. The wrath of heaven and the vengeance of hell shall fall upon this place. So, pretty casual curse there. Lots of room for interpretation. Probably nothing to worry about, right? No. Uh, not. Not right. Wrong. Very, very wrong. To this day, Griffith Park is frequently plagued by disastrous wildfires and murders, and many people associated with the land suffered seriously tragic fates. Fred's family all supposedly died of disease and misfortune. After Fred passed away, the land was transferred to his wife, who promptly remarried, because priorities. She and her new husband frequently fought over her inheritance, and in their divorce, the lawyers took pretty much everything that the husband didn't. According to an expert on the curse, in 1868, a man named C.V. Howard owned part of the land. He negotiated and sold the land's water rights and was shot dead in a local saloon while celebrating his good fortune. So how good was your fortune, really? The land then eventually passed to Leon Lucky Baldwin, who then had to change his nickname almost immediately. After starting a ranch and dairy, he experienced the full weight of Doña's curse. The cattle died, fires destroyed the grains, bugs devoured the crops, and everything that could go wrong did. All of this forced Lucky to declare bankruptcy and sell the land to pay the mortgage. His luck unfortunately never returned, as shortly after this, He was killed by banditos on a trip to Mexico. Eventually, this land was sold to Thomas Bell. He didn't keep it long, however, and can you blame him? He eventually sold it to Colonel Griffith Jenkins Griffith, 
Yes, his first name and his last name are the same because his parents hated him, as do I. Now, depending on which story you believe, Thomas Bell lived well into his 80s until the time he either fell or was pushed by his mistress from his mansion's banister. And as we've determined, people like a good story, so we tend to go with the latter. So Griffith J. Griffith bought the land in 1882. He was a Welshman who had moved to California during the gold rush and struck it big. Sources I found said that he had a knack for finding gold and silver, which, lucky him. This guy is like the OG LA hipster. Let me just start by saying he's a bit quirky. The ranking of Colonel seems to be made up. There's no evidence of him being associated with the military beyond maybe the ranking of Major of Rifley Practice with the California National Guard. Whatever that means. Secondly, he would tell these insanely long, boring stories to his exclusive men's clubs, which they'd let him get away with because he's loaded, and as they say, a rich white man can get away with anything. Thirdly, he allowed a man named Frank Burkett to start an ostrich farm on the property in hopes of luring in residents to the area, and therefore, Griffith's surrounding properties. Why ostriches? I honestly couldn't tell you. One article on losangelino.com stated that he had also brought in exotic birds and animals like parakeets, monkeys, macaws, buzzard hawks, badgers, cockatoos, owls, wild cats, silver foxes, and raccoons. Why he needed to bring in raccoons when we have plenty, I don't know. Maybe do a seance and ask him. Or don't. I wouldn't recommend it. Two years later, in 1884, a major storm fell upon the area. Lightning struck several oak trees on the property and ranch hands insisted that they saw the ghost of Don Antonio Feliz himself riding in the rain. After the storms, these sightings continued, but we'll get into that a tidge bit later. At this point, due to the sightings of Don Feliz and the ostriches stampeding in the night, which is weird because ostriches are not nocturnal and are in fact diurnal, Griffith would only visit this area during midday. He ended up foreclosing on the failing ostrich farm as it wasn't drawing the crowds that Griffith had hoped for. So strange, I know. This enraged Burkett, and he declared that he would have vengeance on Griffith. To get his revenge, Burkett attempted to shoot Griffith with a shotgun outside of a cemetery. That is now a high school. No thank you. Thinking Griffith was dead... Burkett then turned a revolver on himself and died instantly. Of course, this little murder plot didn't quite go as planned. The shotgun had been loaded with birdshot, and Griffith lived, much to the later vexation of his wife. By 1896, Griffith started parceling out pieces of his land. It's widely believed that he'd had enough of the curse and ghost sightings and no longer wanted anything to do with it, which can't say that I blame him. 
This is why he donated 3,015 acres of it to Los Angeles City. At a party celebrating this donation in 1898, another Don Antonio sighting is said to have occurred. He appeared at the head of a banquet table, sitting in a seat typically reserved for Griffith, and proclaimed, I come to invite you to dine with me in hell. In your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons. After this, it's reported that he charged the partygoers on horseback as they fled. I don't know about you, but I prefer the dinner party haunting from Beetlejuice. I'm not really about that running from a demon on a horse thing. Not long after this, in 1903, Griffith basically went bananas. He became convinced that his very devout, well-to-do wife was colluding with the Pope to poison him. And in case you had to double-take that like I did, he thought his wife was colluding with the Pope to poison him. No idea where this delusion came from. Not a clue. He was so deluded in this way of thinking that when she wasn't looking, he would actually switch their dinner plate so that the quote-unquote poisoned dish was sitting in front of her and not him. So this hipster piece of shit and nothing against hipsters, y'all make some great coffee, decided to take his wife and their 15-year-old son for a vacation to the Arcadia Hotel in Santa Monica, which is a very well-known beach town about 21 miles away. According to his wife, whose name I was unable to find because 1890s, after pulling out a revolver, Griffiths told her, get your prayer book, kneel down, and cover your eyes. I'm going to shoot you, and I'm going to kill you. He did end up shooting her. But she didn't die. Oh, no, no, no. This bad bitch was shot through the eye and then escaped by jumping out of a window, crashing into a por- and crashing into a porch roof, which caused her to fracture her shoulder. She later divorced him, obviously. Surprisingly enough, Griffith was actually convicted of attempted murder. But unsurprisingly, only spent two years in San Quentin. He pleaded alcoholic insanity, despite reports stating he never even drank. Remember what I said earlier about a rich white man being able to get away with anything? (laughs) Yeah, that. After his release from prison in 1905, the city ignored Griffith's attempts to further develop Griffith Park, wanting nothing to do with him. A trust fund set aside by him, a trust fund set aside by him allowed for the Griffith Observatory and Greek Theater to be built and maintained after death. Griffith Jenkins Griffith died in 1919 and was buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. The remainder of his land that wasn't previously donated elsewhere was passed on to the city of Los Angeles. Despite not having a formal owner, the curse didn't let up. The land has had its share of tragedies even since then. 
I'm going to tell you all about them after this quick break where you'll hear about some awesome art postcards you won't want to miss and an amazing podcast you absolutely have to check out. Hey, Cursed Ones. Since you're listening to my podcast, I can only assume that, like me, you're into the dark and spooky sides of life that most people tend to stay away from. If that's the case, you'll love the new partnership I'm a part of. I've partnered with Melodramatic Fine Art to bring you a beautiful set of five spooky-looking postcards. Personally, I'm framing and hanging mine. They're so cool. I'm not sending them to anybody. They're mine. (laughs) Each postcard is 5 by 7 inches, has a matte finish, and features photographs of eerie, spooky shit that I just cannot get enough of. We're talking dark chandeliers, a bathtub full of dirt and leaves, random toilet brush art that you'll have to see to believe. Not to mention, the creator of these is one of my very first supporters. So if you could help me support her, head to thricecursepod.com and click the menu option postcard set or search melodramatic fine art on Etsy. Make sure to use code thrice10 at checkout for 10% off and just in time for the holidays too. Hello, Twisted Humans. This is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers. I'm back. What did I tell you? Awesome, right? Now, back to the cursed park. In 1932, a young New York stage actress named Peg Entwistle became forever synonymous with the Hollywood sign. After setting her sights on the silver screen, Peg moved in with her uncle who lived practically in the shadow of the Hollywood sign. She spent the summer of 32 waiting on callbacks that never came. On the night of September 18, 1932, Peg told a friend she would be heading to a drugstore, but instead, at the age of 24, she climbed a 50-foot workman's ladder to the top of the H and plunged to her death. Her suicide note read, I am afraid. I am a coward. I am sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago... It would have saved a lot of pain. She signed the note with her initials. According to legends, a letter from Beverly Hills Playhouse arrived for her the very next day, offering her the lead role. This play was supposedly about a woman who was driven to suicide. No evidence was found to substantiate this, and I'm of the belief that this letter didn't exist. If we know anything of human nature, it's that we're all suckers for a good drama. Based on her note, I would also say she likely had other, more painful reasons for ending her life. Unfortunately, we'll likely never know. In 1933, on October 3rd, the deadliest fire in Los Angeles and second deadliest in California history just behind the horrific 2018 campfire, occurred on the grounds. While only 47 acres burned, 
an official death toll of 29 was announced, and 150 were injured. The cause of this fire is unknown to this day. At the time, many blamed an unknown communist plot or a carelessly tossed cigarette. Many workers had been present in the park that day, clearing brush or (coughs) sweeping the forests, maintaining trails, and building a road. It was many of these workers who were paid only 40 cents an hour and had no training as firefighters who battled the flames at first, armed only with shovels. One witness, John Secor, was quoted saying, You could tell the progress of the fire by the screams. The flames would catch a man, and his screams would reach an awful pitch. Then there would be an awful silence. Then you would hear someone scream, and then it would be silent again. It was all over inside of seven minutes. Watches of the fire's victims forever marked 3 p.m. Despite the official death toll of 29, one labor group insisted that the real number was 58. Many of the victims were never identified. And if you're wondering how that's possible, this was during the Great Depression. And many of these laborers were people who just couldn't find other jobs, so there wasn't a lot of paperwork. In 1947, the body of Elizabeth Short, more commonly known as the Black Dahlia, was found in... Li- I live in I live in California and I don't even know how to pronounce this. <sighs> the Black Dahlia was found in Limert 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 Lemur? I don't know. Limert Park, Los Angeles. While her body wasn't found in Griffith Park, the home of the man believed to be responsible borders the park. George Hodel lived with his wife and two children in what is now known as the Soudan House. George was once recorded saying, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore, because she's dead. If that wasn't suspicious enough, his own son Steve, who is now a retired Los Angeles police officer, believes his own father is guilty. Steve believes that Elizabeth Short was murdered in the basement of the Soudan home, and several cadaver dogs have lended credence to this theory with the detection of human remains on the property. Of course, none of this has been, or likely ever will be, confirmed. In October of 1949, actress Jean Spangler left her apartment in Park La Brea, intent on meeting with her ex-husband before heading to a night shoot. She had to speak with her ex about child support, She never arrived on set for filming, and her purse was found near the Ferndale entrance of Griffith Park. Jean Spangler was never seen again, and many believe that she may be somewhere within the park awaiting discovery after all these years. There are many theories as to who may have killed the actress and mother, ranging from the ex-husband, a new lover, a mob hit, and even a botched abortion. It's crazy to think that one hike could be all it takes to uncover the mystery with this one. 
Definitely not recommending you go hike Griffith Park, though. A, I hate hiking. And B, don't get murdered. Just don't do it. Also bordering Griffith Park is the mansion known as the Los Feliz Murder House. On the morning of December 6, 1959, cardiologist Harold Perelson murdered his sleeping wife Lillian. He struck her in the head with a ball-peen hammer, then left her to asphyxiate on her own blood. He then went to his teenage daughter Judy's room. His intentions with her were the same. He hit her with the hammer as well, only this time, the blow wasn't lethal. She awoke, screaming. Two of her younger siblings awoke, asking their father, what's wrong? As he comforted the girls, go back to bed. This is a nightmare. Judy escaped. She first found her mother, then ran to a neighbor's where she called the police. Upon their arrival, police found both Lillian and Harold Perelson dead in their bed. Harold had taken two doses of Nembutal, an anti-anxiety or sleep aid, and 31 small white pills, believed to be either codeine or a powerful tranquilizer. The home was left to rot and decay for over 50 years. Understandably, that's not the kind of bad juju I want. Plus, not even a horrifying murder can make a mansion in L.A. affordable for anyone who isn't Kanye Westrich. On August 10th, 1969, another home on the outskirts of Griffith Park saw unspeakable tragedy. This home is one most true crime aficionados know by name. The LaBianca House. That's right. The home of Rosemary and Lino LaBianca, victims of the Manson family murders. The two homeowners were stabbed repeatedly by Tex Watson, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten after having been commanded by Charles Manson solely because their home appeared to be upscale. Fast forward to the late 1970s. In October 1976, a couple supposedly died while in the throes of passion on a park bench. A story released by the LA Times in 2006 said that a tree had fallen on the couple. Workers who had been sent to clear the tree either fell ill or were injured before they could complete the job. This included a supervisor found dead of an apparent heart attack at the scene. The article was deemed a hoax, but people still report sightings of a ghost couple in the area. And as far as I could find, to this day the tree remains. Just one year later, Griffith Park became the preferred dumping grounds if you will, for the Hillside Stranglers duo Angelo Buono and Kenneth Bianchi. The two terrorized L.A. between October of 1977 and February of 1978. Within one month of their first attack, the duo had attacked three additional women, picking them up in their van, driving them back to Buono's house, sexually assaulting torturing, then strangling the women, before leaving them in degrading sexual positions in various locations among the hillsides. The two men, who were cousins, were convicted of kidnapping, raping, torturing, and murdering 10 women, whose ages ranged from only 12 to 28 years old. 
Their victims were Yolanda Washington, Judith Miller, Alyssa Caston, Dolores Cepeda, Sonia Johnson, Christina Weckler, Evelyn Jane King, Lauren Wagner, Kimberly Martin, and Cindy Hudspeth. They had also attempted to kidnap Catherine Lore Baker, but decided against it when they realized her father was famous actor Peter Lore. I won't go into a ton of detail, but if you're interested in hearing more about these two janky freshwater bitch fishes, send me an email. The more interested I know you are, the more likely I am to cover something. That goes for any other suggestions as well. There are many incidents that have occurred on the land, but a few of the more recent are as follows. In August of 2010, an unidentified man's skull without the mandible was found on a hiking trail known as Skyline. The remains were likely in the park for two or more years. No additional remains were ever found, and the victim is unidentified to this day, over 10 years later. In 2011, a severed head was found in a 99-cent-only store bag. Hands and feet were later found in a shallow grave nearby. The remains were later found to belong to Hervé Medellin, who suffered a terrible fate at the hands of his live-in boyfriend. In 2015, a convicted pedophile committed suicide in the park, which, okay, I'm not a proponent of suicide, but I'm definitely not a proponent of pedophilia, so I'm kind of okay with this one. In March 2016, two hikers found a partially covered human skull near the Hollywood sign. The skull was determined to have belonged to a woman who was at least 20 years old at the time of her death, and that the skull may have been there for as little as one year or as many as 10 it's still unknown who the skull belonged to. On September 11th, 2019, an unidentified body was found underneath an electrical tower. In December of 2019, a headless body was found by a woman and her dog. The head was later found elsewhere in the park. There are currently 17 unidentified bodies that were found within the park. Not to mention the ones that haven't been discovered yet, or never will be. With all of the tragedy, it's no surprise that Griffith Park is reported as one of the most haunted places in Los Angeles. While there aren't many detailed descriptions of the hauntings within, reports of hauntings aren't scarce. Don Antonio Feliz can frequently be seen riding the park trails and in the throes of crazed laughter atop large rocks. He is most frequently seen around Bee Rock Trail. Doña Petronia, his niece, roams the land dressed in all white. She can be seen staring into the ranger's headquarters on dark and rainy nights. She's also frequently reported during haunted hayrides in October as well as riding horseback through the park nearby the headquarters. If you'd like to see an over-the-top recreation of her hauntings, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans, a.k.a. Bagel Bites a la Christine from And That's Why We Drink, visited the park. They do a very good over-the-top reenactment, I promise. I couldn't even watch it, it was so good. 
Another figure, believed to be Griffith J. Griffith, has been seen riding his horse through the park. I could find no information on the vibe that his presence gives off. Peg Entwistle can be seen tragically repeating the last moments of her life as she throws herself from the top of the Hollywood sign. For a while, there was actually a website with 24-hour surveillance at the sign for those hoping to catch a glimpse. A mysterious ghost girl who seems to have no known history has been reported. The belief is that the young girl was abandoned in the park, and now she spends her afterlife searching desperately for the parents who left her there. Ghostly sightings have also been reported near the merry-go-round in the form of a man descending nearby steps, then vanishing at the bottom. Fun fact, it's at the same merry-go-round that Walt Disney is believed to have dreamed up Disneyland. So, the more you know. In addition to all of the humans who met their fate here, Griffith Park was also once home to many unfortunate animals. From 1913 until the late mid-60s, the park was home to what is now referred to as Old L.A. Zoo. The zoo seemed to be cursed from the start. Thanks, Donya. In 1916, it was nearly shut down due to their sewage draining into the L.A. River. And for those of you who don't live in California and are about to ask, wait, L.A. has a river? It's really not even a river at this point. (laughs) It's more like stagnant water that kind of sits there until it rains once, maybe a year. The zoo survived this, however, and continued on until World War I when their next big struggle hit with a meat shortage that left the zoo unable to care for the animals. Several died, and others cannibalized their cage members. The old zoo was eventually relocated to a new area at the northeast end of Griffith Park, with groundbreaking occurring in 1964. Some structures from the original zoo remain, Reminders of what once was. Ghost tigers, monkeys, and other various creatures have been reported by pet psychic Laura Stinshield in the areas that are now known as Old L.A. Zoo. As if all of the murders, human spirits, and spirits of regular animals weren't enough, Griffith Park is believed by some to be home to monsters. In October of 2005, It's reported that three men encountered a beast with green skin and red hair late at night within the park. The creature was described as having very long legs and feet. It walked in strides impossible for any known creature, and its back was bent backwards, with a neck that bent forwards. The men said that no human could have possibly contorted their body to look the way this creature had. In addition to what I like to call the Christmas werewolf, one other beast is believed to call Griffith Park home. On March 3, 2013, three dragons were reportedly observed by a woman referred to only as CGP by Jonathan David Whitcomb of LiveTerrasaurs.com. According to CGP, she had been driving northbound on the I-5 that morning when she noticed the creature flying in the opposite direction over her vehicle and toward Griffith Park. She described the creatures as being several feet long, with a head-body-tail ratio that was certainly not that of a bird. Their wings were long, angular, and pointed, 
and their tails had triangular points. They were flying southeast in a triangular formation. Lots of triangles, lots of threes. I'm telling you guys, curse is coming threes. It, it's going to get annoying, but I'm going to keep saying it. On May 13th, 2013, again, more threes, another sighting was reported, this time by a woman named Devin Rodriguez. Rodriguez was also driving on the I-5 when she spotted them, only she was traveling in the opposite direction of CGP and in the evening around 4 p.m. She reported being stuck in traffic, so pretty much the huge for Los Angeles, traveling at approximately 30 miles per hour, which is not the huge for Los Angeles. It's usually more like five. She said, I am almost positive what I saw fly over my car was not a bird of any kind. It matches the exact descriptions of a pterosaur, except for the tail. I didn't actually look for a tail. I was too in shock by the head crest and the wings. When asked for more detail, Rodriguez described its skin as membranous with a charcoal grayish teal skin. And a direct quote here, there were no feathers, the wings were pointed and never flapped. It glided through the air with its wings in an arched position. Both sightings took place within one and a half miles of each other. So, what are these dragons? They're believed to be a creature called a ropin. The word ropin translates to demon flyer. So, maybe one of the subdemons Los Feliz summoned? No thanks. No, not about it. Regardless, most people believe ropins to be an extremely giant bat or a pterosaur. Yep a real dinosaur living in Los Angeles. Ropins are believed to feast on fish and clams, so given the close proximity to the ocean and the dense woods for them to remain undetected, it would kind of make sense if anything were going to. If 2020 has shown us anything, it's that nothing's impossible. And as Audrey Hepburn once said, the word itself says, I'm possible. While it may not be impossible, I was only able to find about six sources in support of the Ropin's existence, about half of which were written by the same man, Jonathan David Whitcomb, which is also where these reported sightings came from. So, do I believe it? Not really. But I'd love to hear what you think. Griffith Park is currently closed due to COVID-19, but... Even if it wasn't, would you really want to go anyways? Take it from me, I went there a few times prior to knowing anything about the place, and the vibe is just... off. The cover art for this podcast was actually taken in front of Griffith Park's Haunted Hayride set, and I've been inside a few of the defunct animal cages. In a testament to human stupidity, the first time I ever went to the old zoo was actually for a photo shoot with a photographer I had never even met. I went on my lonesome and could very easily have been murdered. So don't be like the me of seven years ago when that happened, okay? <sighs> if restrictions ever do lift and you do decide to go, Stay aware of your surroundings, and please, 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 please do not go alone. I have spoken to many girls who 
hike LA and they hike Griffith Park alone all of the time. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You are asking to be murdered. And do not take that out of context. Nobody ever asks to get murdered. I'm a true crime podcast. You get what I mean. I'm paranoid. I just just don't hike alone. Whether it was about getting murdered or not, it's still a stupid thing to do. Um, sorry, Rain. I know you hike alone a lot. I'm just a big proponent of having somebody with you in case you like fall off a cliff or something. But I'm also really clumsy and very out of shape. So <laughs> that could just be a concern I have. I don't know. But anyways, this has been the cursed tale of Griffith Park. If anything you heard in this episode sounded particularly intriguing and you'd like to hear more about it in a future episode, send me an email to thricecursedpod at gmail.com. For episodes in blog form and photos from each episode, head over to thricecursedpod.com. You can also find a link to a Discord server there where you can chat with me and other fans on the daily. I'm definitely more active there than I am on the Facebook group, though I do still try to be active in that as well. We'd love to have you. On that same website, thricecursepod.com, you can again find the link to those awesome postcards. And don't forget to use the code THRICE10 for a 10% discount. For additional curse content, you can find me on social media at thricecursedpod or join the Facebook group at thricecursedfangroup. For any additional fun stuff, sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash thricecursedpod. As always, my sources for this episode will be in the show notes. There are like 30 of them. (laughs) Until next time, keep your curses hexy and your hexes sexy. The land known now as Griffith Park originally belonged to Jose Vinch... God damn. The Junta... The... And my laptop just glitched. According to... God damn it, laptop. Stop it. Stop. After this, it's reported that he changed... He changed. Yep, he changed. He changed his damn mind and went home. Nope. After setting her sights on the silver... With ground baking, let's bake the ground. We do live in California, after all. With a charcoal. Oh my god. Random toilish brush. Toilish brush? Toilish brush. Toilish brush. Okay. (sighs)